It's Wednesday on the Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan final day of May. It's, uh, smells like summer out there, Justin. It's going to be our first 30-degree day of the spring slash summer. What a day to hit the Came golf at a course, good time, buddy. yeah. First Wednesday golf day, first 30-degree day. The UV ray Things are turning index up. I saw when we walked in on the 680 News squad over there in the upper echelon of high to dangerous today. So. Oh, did you bring any screen? <laughs> I brought some screen. I didn't bring any screen. I went to my local drugstore and purchased some screen for, for Look today. Look at you, very prepared. A little 30 action, a little sport 30 action spray. It's the only way to go. We both have like a little bit of an olive skin. Yeah, I usually get the one burn out of the way early, and then I'll be fine. Yeah. I we might burn Costa a little Rica, bit, but so whatever, I'll be fine. You should have your burn out of the way. I uh, probably too callous mm. overall in life, or cavalier rather would be the right word when it comes to UV. But it's maybe fi- I'll learn the hard it's way 50 today. Fifty on the face, fifty to eighty on the face. I don't mess around with the face. Oh, I'm you're a, out, out there. Buying. I want to look like a leather chair in a in a month, a year, five years. Okay, in your future. I'll look like a leather chair eventually. I, I think that's the skin and the I face. I think that's an inevitability. Super important. I'll give a bit thirty on the on the arms today, though. We're gonna go cook up the golf course later. We're cook it up. I think we will. I'm excited. You are. You're. You're feeling very good since this package arrived, and since your first round, since you got these <laughs> new clubs, you've been very. I'm like. I'm gonna propose the challenge mm-hmm. a little later. Little nervous about it though, given your confidence level. Yeah, but the problem is, and somebody texted this in, and I didn't want to read it on the air on Monday when I explained my new club situation. That it's like the new club bounce, like you feel sick after round one, and then it just crumbles. So whoever sent that in, I remember you saw your text. <laughs> we'll chat tomorrow. It's been favorited. <laughs> it's been safe. We will review that tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we're hitting the hitting the links after the show. It should and be the fun. hottest day of the year so far. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, all right. We got lots to go through this morning. Uh, it was going to be maybe a little bit of a sleepier day, but in the wee hours of the evening, insiders are saying reports are floating that Brad Trey living to the Maple Leafs is basically a done deal, that it is probably on the midst of being announced sometime today. Yeah, I guess that really shouldn't be surprise, uh, surprising um, because he's kind of been the name that's been out there the most. Mm-hmm. It's the one that was guaranteed to be an interview right away and the one that was immediately linked. And maybe, and this is kind of where I'm a little like, eh, about it, is he is the guy under the criteria that Shanahan uh, presented yeah, yeah. that is most obvious. And when it's most obvious, you're always in the back of mind thinking like, did you really do your due diligence? Did you think long and hard? Did you go through the interview process uh, with real intent? Or was it always, hey, uh, we kind of like that guy and mm-hmm. he's available and no one else that we like is available. So let's just roll with him. And my my general take on Drew Living is, yeah, he should be in the league. He's one of the best 32 general managers, I think, in hockey or people that can hold that position. But just being one of the 32, is that enough to be the Maple Leafs GM? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if that like I think this job is I don't know if it's I don't know if it's beyond his his scope. I don't know if it's beyond his capabilities. But the person who succeeded Kyle Dubas at the end of the day, if we were talking about this three years ago, we think, hey, can't miss like track record of obvious success. Someone who's been killing it somewhere else and comes over because they've been doing such a great job and maybe they couldn't be retained or you could pay them uh, you could lure them in with a big contract or whatever. It just feels like, hey, that's the person who's most convenient and most convenient for the Leafs general manager? I don't know. Well, this whole thing just feels rushed. And it and, had to be, and a little I suppose. bit short-sighted. Not, maybe not, no, not rushed about the fact that you have to hire a GM. I felt like it took a little while. Rushed in terms of the timeline that led up to Kyle Dubis's firing. One day before he was signing a new contract then he's not then there's this that is the decision to fire Kyle Dubis still feels rushed to me literally within 24 hours something changed so drastically in Brandon Shanahan's mind that he had to get rid of his GM his young GM that he had helped get to this point and whether you think that's the right decision or not still feels to me like a bit of a brash decision right something very quick something that maybe was driven on emotion. So now you're filling this void with whatever is available. 
and it might age to be a really great move. Bridgeway Living is going to have to come in and prove that. Uh, he has a, a track record. He has been a guy that has made some pretty bold trades, and he's experienced, and I guess that fills the void. But it, for me, it feels like this thing happened, and where was the contingency plan? Didn't feel like there was one, and then they had to start interviewing people, and it did take, what, oh, almost two weeks, mm-hmm. over two weeks, and if he's announced as a new GM today or tomorrow, then he's got, a, a, I think, a lot of eyes on proving that this was not a, a decision from Brenda Shanahan that wasn't without some serious consideration. Yeah, in the same way that Dubas was originally uh, hired and originally targeted or at least originally discovered mm-hmm. – like, you'd think those connections would be happening at all times for Brendan Shanahan. Like, I get you wouldn't want to be back-channeling and going behind Kyle Dubas's back and making deals with people and making contingency, contingency plans. Like, I kind of understand that. But if you're running the Toronto Maple Leafs, it feels like you should have relationships mm-hmm. and discussions and maybe some plan B, C, D, E. And maybe Living is within that plan. Well, I think the B, C, family D, e. has some connection. Sure, I, I suppose. And and if that if that's part of the reason, though, I mean, that, that does, that's kind of unsettling as well. Do you think it's well. not at all part of the reason? I think, no, no, I don't think that, I don't think that's the reason. I, I, I think maybe that helped him get to where he is today, for sure. Uh, but I think he has proved his mettle as a general manager. I'm just saying, like, in the same way that you identified talent early with Kyle Dubas, who, as to your point, he was the guy that they wanted to be GM, and he wanted to be GM. Everyone wanted Kyle Dubas to be the general manager of this team, and for reasons that are, I guess, stated, but somewhat unclear, he's mm-hmm. not. But in the same way that you found Dubas, I feel like you should be finding other executive uh, talent. And maybe Pridham's the most obvious answer for next up because he's learned under the regime and he's a smart guy too and he's done all these things in hockey that others can't compare with. don't you think Brendan Shanahan might just want to completely flip the script in terms of who was in that seat and who's going to be... he didn't want to change anything. Well, all of a sudden, he had a nightmare in his dream and woke up in the morning and said... A real revealing ride home. Bye-bye. So... Maybe filling that seat with someone that's Dubas-esque, like Brandon Pridham, is something he doesn't want to even tiptoe down because then he opens the door to, why would you get rid of Kyle Dubas if you're going to put Kyle Dubas light in that spot? Yeah, you're probably not changing anything And so maybe that's why Brad Trey Living, with his history and his expertise and his veteran look, is the way that Brandon Shanahan kind of stops that conversation, says, well, I'm done with the Dubas reign. We're Mm -hmm. putting an old guy in there, a man that's been around the block, and it's completely turned on its head. I think that helps with Brendan, Brendan Shanahan's look, really. I think it helps him have a reason for his decision. Yeah, I, I, I see your point. I see your point. Uh, I think I think one of the more redeeming things about Trey Living is he's been in the exact same position as Dubas over the last five years. So if you're looking for experience, not that you're looking for someone who's Kyle Dubas, you're just mm-hmm. looking for someone who's been in a similar situation and had success. Like Calgary Flames have had expectation for the last five years. They won the Western Conference. I don't think it was a President's Trophy, but they had the best record in the Western Conference a couple years ago. They've been in the playoffs. They've been out of the playoffs, but they've been pushing yeah. and trying to win a Stanley Cup over the last five years. I mean, that's been the mandate for Brad Trill living of late. So it's not like, hey, he's been kind of coasting with a team like the Arizona Coyotes where he's just accruing draft picks and doing the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. He's been attempting to do the hard stuff. And in fact, I think he's been saddled with more heavy lifting than even Dubas over the last five years because he's had a guy like Johnny Gaudreau play games with him. Mm -hmm. He's had a guy like Matthew Kachuk demand a trade. He's had the similar goaltending problems. He traded a guy like Dougie Hamilton. He's been involved in a lot of big stuff And to his credit, he's done fairly well from a trade perspective. I think the thing that's like top of mind clearly is the Matthew Kachuk thing. And everyone was like, wow, what a great job last year. I wasn't really in that boat. And now everyone's saying, well, if you criticized it or if you didn't criticize it then, can you criticize it now? And I guess if you did criticize it, you can. I I just felt like, hey, you're not you're not looking at your coach and you're not looking at that player and making the right connection. So Mm -hmm. I think there's reason to criticize what he did recently, losing Gaudreau and then having to trade Matthew Kachuk. But the Dougie Hamilton trade, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at, maybe with the Maple Leafs here, where you have to give up the best player 
but you get a decent level of return in Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. Like, that is a pretty good hockey trade. You got to give Trey Living credit with that. He's drafted really, really well. They've added players pretty much every draft into the system that have made really sizable impacts. Uh, I don't love his free agent record, but right now this team has to maybe make trades mm-hmm. and draft better. And for that reason, I think Trey Living is is adequate in those two uh, responsibilities. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good perspective to look at the laundry list of things the Maple Leafs have to do this offseason because that's if he sits in the chair today, it begins, right? It's uh, your all-star Austin Matthews who everybody seems to believe isn't going to sign that extension July 1st, um, understandably, but also gives you a little bit of a pit in your stomach and you have some big decisions with your core four. You have some goaltending decisions to make. You have some UFAs and RFAs that you need to figure out. So maybe the free agent market is a little bit lower down the list of priorities this, this They're summer. they to sign some free agents though. Yeah, but you also have to deal with some that are already on your mm-hmm. list, Yeah, you got to right? make decisions on guys on it your own team. It would be like third but on the rung, UFAs. but it would be third on the rung, if, if that makes sense. Like if he sits in the chair today and he makes a, a to-do list, it's yeah. Matthews, core four slash, yeah, how are you going to fit all this money in there? Yep. Goaltending slash RFA, you have uh, Samsonoff. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Wall seems like he's not, there's no he's question there. got to deal with the Murray problem. How are you going to get rid of Murray or deal with the Murray problem? And then you got to sign some of your UFA slash RFAs. Is Michael Bunting gone? What do you do with all these guys that He's have got a lot big of questions marks. to make? I know for pro players, not a just like hey, decisions. we're going to head into the draft and feel really good about no, the no. collection of draft picks we have. No, he's got to make. By the time the draft comes at the end players. of this month, he's going to have gray hair. Does he already have gray and, hair? And there's yeah, I'm sure he's got some gray. Let's hair. Take a look at his hair. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, there's another thing that's interesting about this because he was involved in the draft process that's not ongoing. Not a lot of gray, actually. Not a lot of hair, though. That's oh, the. It's more, it's more, it's more, it's the catch 22, I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lighter brown. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a full we'll 30 do a minutes. Hair check, we'll yeah. do a thir- 30 <laughs> minutes on his hair at a later date during the summer. Uh, there's like also the notion that, hey, you were in the Calgary Flames draft room up until a point. How much can you be involved in this draft for the Maple Leafs, which is a little problematic to me. Uh, and maybe you don't get the benefit of some trail living. But again, mm-hmm. at the same time, how much is the GM identifying talent and scouting talent and making and the right decisions? I don't decisions? think that's part of the day-to-day, leaning, really. Yeah, you're leaning on a strong scouting department. You're leaning that on someone like Spezza who was doing some of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> Oops, he's, been, he's not there. He's been in and out of OHL rinks all season <laughs> long. Now he's been watching games with Kyle Dubas. Right. <laughs> uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they approach the draft clearly and how, again, we're getting maybe a little ahead of ourselves because this is just a point that hasn't been substantiated by other reports Mm -hmm. and of course the team itself but i think one other similarity here and maybe it's let maybe it's been exaggerated by the dubas camp is that Treliving apparently wasn't allowed to rebuild in calgary maybe that was part of why he left in the first place he did leave on his own volition here he just left the Mm -hmm. calgary flames job at the end of the season uh wasn't allowed to rebuild maybe that's why he made that trade because the right thing to do last summer when your two superstars are trying to leave is probably to tear down a little bit. And it was a little short-sighted to think, hey, we can just like squint and we'll be just as good. Probably a little short-sighted. So if that's true, I mean, I guess he's dealt with meddling before. We feel like there might be some meddling or at least some Mm. collaboration that's happening within the MLSC boardroom. Is it less? Probably. Is it less because he's, I don't want to say more respected, but he's got a longer track record and a bit of a more of a history, obviously, than Kyle Dubas. So how do you think Brendan Shanahan works in tandem with someone that's not equal, but way higher up the experience ranking than Kyle Dubas? Like, I don't feel like the puppeteer perspective is going to work as well with Brad Trey Living. Uh, I just, it, it might, it might. And I don't, I, I think puppeteer is a little strong. I think the difference is, okay, you know, you got to like sell us on your ideas mm. here at MLSE. But with the Flames, it's like, hey, we've got to sell playoff tickets. So you're not taking any step back. You're I making this you team mean. as good as possible at all times. The Trill Evan came into the interview and said, hey, I think we should like take a step back here because I don't think we're going to be good enough to win over the next two years. And they still hired him. Well, then I think they're going to let him do that, right? Mm. I don't think he would necessarily say that. And we already got we've already got reports that Shanahan went to the core four and said, "Hey, maybe there's some assurances here." So maybe it's already preordained that way. 
But I do think in terms of like the pressure to be a viable business would be less in Toronto than it would be in Calgary. Do you think that with everything that's come out in the last two weeks in terms of the inner workings of MLSE, employees feeling like the situation is untenable, do you think that anything changes from all this? Like you pulled the curtains back and you've seen some messy stuff about how this works. Do you think that that changes anything? The only change might be if this is Shanahan's last chance. Yeah, right? how many more this chances is, this is given the, the fourth plan. GM that's worked under him. This would be his third hire. Could be a different coach again, too. If you're just trying to, hey, let's keep massaging this because we want to push it, push it, push it with Dubis, maybe that's when you get more involved. But if this is, hey, last chance for you, last hire, and you choose for living, maybe you give him the keys a little bit more readily than you would mm-hmm. with Dubas when it was like, okay, we're still working on this together. This is still our group, and there's no real consequences for either of us because there wasn't. There wasn't planning to be any consequences. Despite all the failure, they wanted Dubas back. Despite a little bit of conflict and friction, they wanted Shanahan to be back with Dubas. But maybe now things are di- like that's the only theory there that things are different now for everyone because this is last kick of the can. You know what I want to see different if this is the next step, which we don't know for sure, but it seems like it. I want to hear from Brendan Shanahan more than once a year. If you're making these drafts, if you're this involved, if you're sure. this involved now, and we've figured out that you basically have a hand in every decision, but you don't talk to the media and you don't make yourself approachable and you don't make yourself accountable that to me is kind of not it's just a little bit of a backwards process like we'll hear from him day one of training camp when else did we hear from Brandon Shanahan all year at the end of the season when he came on and had this emotional uh expose about his relationship with Kyle Dubas and all of a sudden we were like whoa we had no idea I don't remember hearing from him any other time no we didn't we only hear from him when he has to explain a decision that he makes so why don't you make it a little bit more clear for fans for media what your process is now because you've done something you've ripped the band-aid off of a tough situation and now everyone's gonna have their eyes on how brad trey living and you work together so let us be well, a part of that as a fan what i'd like to hear is him introduce Trey living if he's going to in fact and do why. that why and say yeah why but also hey you're not going to see or hear from me because this is brad's team and brad can do whatever he wants okay like that would be nice yeah but will fans believe that that's the case? No. And if you're as involved as you have been, or as we are led to believe that you've been, then yeah, you've got to, there's got to be some front facing and accountability for you, or all that cascades down and everybody has an accountability problem. Well, even the same thing with, we didn't hear from Dubis very much either. So I might be asking a lot to Dubis say. Dubis would pop up every now and then, though. Yeah, I might be asking a lot to say, I want to hear from Brendan Shanahan every month. I don't want that. Well, you might hear from Living every month. So, Living is a guy that definitely... And that might be the, nice. And you know what? Like, if we're playing the politic game, and if the, if we're like, oh, maybe the family ties help, you know what helped the most is the fact that the media likes you. Mm-hmm. Like, that does have an effect. But and Living like always too. makes himself available. Yes, th- yes, they do. They love Dubas. Mm-hmm. But they also like Living. Everyone in Calgary loved her living because he made himself available. He was honest. He was always willing to explain what was going through mm-hmm. his head. And he was even doing that despite a lot of suggestion that, hey, his hands are tied a little bit. And mm-hmm. he's been told to do stuff. And he's still yeah. in front of it. So I think that's a part of it as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that I might be asking a lot to see him all the time. But if Broadway Living has a track record of being front-facing and accountable, I, I think that's a really good positive step for a, a franchise that feels, I don't know, very protective and very, like, professional at times where they don't just want to say, this is what we're doing, this is, this is where our goals are, this is where we're, this is our progress report of where we're at, this is the things that we need differently from this team. We might have a new head coach, too. Dishonest. Yeah. There's, I, some, some, there's some dishonesty or there's some misdirection, and maybe there'll be less of that with your living. But again, did we think that Dubas wanted to be that? I don't know. Well, we don't know what the real Dubis was, right? We saw tidbits of it at the very end of the season, and he looked like a guy that was full of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, anything else on Trey Living? <clears throat> no. We'll, we'll keep talking because we don't know for sure. This is, as we said, insiders are saying reports are circulating late last night and into this morning uh, that it's picking up steam, um, that maybe the other candidates, I don't know if they were as real or as uh, front runner as Brad Trey Living, so it, we'll see. it just feels like I don't know. I feel like this is this is very common nowadays. Where yeah, you go through a quote unquote interview process, 
but there's always one candidate, right? And you have to, if you post a job, you got to interview people, but mm-hmm. there's always someone in mind. And it felt like Trey Living was always the someone in mind. He, yes, he was first on the list, basically. I think he was one of the only people that we know actually went in person. And those are kind of like lead to who you're who you're feeling the most confident about. Okay, lots to uh, to continue to chat with. Uh, we'll have our buddy Nick Kiprios on at 7. So little insider Kiprios might give us some tidbits on that today. Uh, we're also going to have, we have a, a couple guests we're on uh, working through today, but Adam Fantilli joining us at 8.30. That one's confirmed. Um, he's won basically everything you can win <laughs> in one season. Um, obviously, he's... Uh, eligible for the upcoming NHL draft, probably a top one, two, three, four pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he just won gold with Canada overseas. He obviously won the Hobie Baker award. Um, he won world juniors. World junior gold, first player ever to go double gold world championship, world junior plus the Hobie Baker. We'll have him at eight 30. We'll get some blue Jays talk, maybe some more hockey talk, possibly some TFC talk. We're working through some things this morning as we try to get on the Brad Cherry living news. If it does in fact come to fruition, um, let's do some blue Jays talk. Uh, last night, Blue Jays got a big win uh, to kick off their three-game set against the Milwaukee Brewers on Looney Dogs night. Looney Dogs were soaring yeah, another off record. the shelves. Another record. I know. It was a smaller crowd, Lots but another of, record nonetheless. It's like they just... Somebody goes in there and buys 2,000 dogs before the game starts, at least. Mm-hmm. Because the gate's open. I'm just saying. The gate's open. And the gates open at noon and like the entire city of Toronto is <laughs> going there for lunch. The gates open and there's already 5,000 dogs sold. Oh, that's, that sounds like an accusation. I'm just telling you, I've seen it. Okay. The gates I'm gonna, open. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm just presenting the information for the folks. The gates opened and there's 5,000 dogs. Must be a dogs. lunch thing. Must be a lunch thing. Maybe the employees all get them. I don't know how many people work at the Blue Jays Rogers Center, but... Enough, enough that dogs are really, really flying when the gates open. Um, nonetheless, congrats, everybody. Uh, okay, a couple things Blue Jays related. We definitely want to start with the Anthony Bass uh, situation that came out yesterday. So if you haven't had a chance to see his social media posts as of late, uh, he posted on Instagram. Um, and this is also the same Anthony Bass that had the bit of uh, Twitter drama that he had to delete his Twitter because of his wife and the popcorn situation on the plane. And he called out, I think it was United Airlines. Yeah, it's crazy to think looking back that this all started with popcorn. Yes. Uh, nonetheless, same Anthony Bass. So uh, yesterday or Monday, he shared a post on Instagram um, that cited biblical verses as a reason to boycott Target and Bud Light for recent support of anti-2SLGBTQ plus initiatives in the community. So he shared that on his Instagram and obviously uh, caused a lot of friction and uncomfortable conversations to be risen in the Blue Jays community. Um, Understandably so. So he made a statement before the game Tuesday. He came forward to the media and said, I'd like to make a statement. He didn't take any questions. He had a prepared statement. Let's play uh, Anthony Bass's statement first, and then we'll play John Schneider's um, response after him. We'll chat. I recognized yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine and I am truly sorry for that Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday I apologize with them and as of right now I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward Uh, the ballpark is for everybody Um, we include all fans at the ballpark and and we want to welcome everybody that's all I have to say thank you Okay, so 35-second statement, doesn't take questions, and then continues on his way. Let's play John Schneider's um, comments on Bass's statement. Well, first and foremost, you know, I like that he came, first thing he did was come in and, and apologize to me and um, did it with his teammates um, as a group. And, um, you know, I think that accountability and understanding that um, when you're when you're hurting a, a certain group and a certain community, you have to take accountability and and, um, and be aware of that. So this isn't, you know, this is the first step, I think, in, um, in showing how remorseful he is. All right, so important things from this is uh, first step, we need to see that, like, accountability for this. If you come out and you believe these things and you say these things on a public platform, um, for me, I think it's a bit cowardly to not take questions. Sure. 
if you're going to make these statements and you're a public figure with thousands of followers and you believe this, you should be able to field questions from reporters, stand up for your beliefs and let people in on the information that you believe was important enough to share. Um, Pride weekend is Tomorrow is the start of June, which is Pride Month. Pride mm-hmm. Weekend is something the Blue Jays take extremely seriously, and it is the next weekend, June 9th and 10th. And think about all the people that are going to feel really uncomfortable at the ballpark knowing that these are Anthony Bass's beliefs and this is what he stands for. Um, I think his statement obviously was well-crafted. He obviously wrote it and came in prepared for it. He obviously it. wrote it? Sorry, somebody obviously wrote it possibly. Um, Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, he said it and he moved on with his day. But that can't be the end of the conversation, right? Like it just, if that's all you do, that's not enough. I think the Blue Jays had an opportunity and they they kind of fumbled it really just to say, hey, yeah, we, uh," he came in and he apologized and and that's good. We're going to move on. Like if he's going to take steps, we need to know what further things you're going to do to educate yourself. And yeah, not pretend like it never happened as Schneider said, but this is going to be very uncomfortable, I think, for fans, and deservedly so. It's Pride Month, and you're coming out and saying this. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I I don't agree with Anthony Bass. That's my own personal perspective is I yeah. don't agree with him, and I'm allowed to not agree with him, but I just think the practice of what he did and hopefully what he does can help, you know, gain some trust or some appreciation from the fans. Yeah, call me a cynic, but I don't think there was a eureka moment for Anthony Bass last night after he Mm -hmm. had shared and taken down that post and he wrote out an apology and he memorized it and he prepared to deliver it to the media. And the first thing he did before that was go into the office of John Schneider and apologize for his actions. Like, this is all... It's all PR. It's all damage control. It's all self-preservation, trying to hold down a job that maybe isn't all that uh, appealing for the Blue Jays to give to Anthony Bass anymore. I mean, and that's and because of those things, and you know, I, I I'm not wrong. I'm just it's, I'm just put it that way. I do not think I'm wrong, and I'm not wrong there. It's it's so easy to see through, right? It was like, mm-hmm. no, you were told to apologize, and we're going to have a meeting because of what you did. And it seems like all very childish, and it's the beliefs, frankly, of a child. And it's the beliefs of someone, and we it's, it, to link the popcorn and what he did on social media maybe is a bit of a stretch. But this guy, everything that we've heard and seen from him this season is that he just thinks he's better than other people. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's better than people in the pride community. He thinks he's better than the airline attendant that told him or told his wife to pick up popcorn from underneath the seat. He's just a guy who thinks he's better than people. And frankly, he's not. And he's not better than a lot of people who are trying to be in the major leagues either because he's not having a good season. He's of no value to the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And now he's a bigger problem than anything because he's someone who's intolerant and does not allow you to properly message an important weekend like Pride Weekend at the ballpark. So unfortunately, he's a massive issue, but you can't just wash your hands of him. And yeah. you should le- listen to Blair and Barker. Blair had a really, really good opening to Blair and Barker yesterday where he explains this. You can't just wash your hands of him, even if you wanted to, because there are grievances and, and processes to go through. But this just seems like the first or second or third or whatever step towards an inevitable break between the Blue Jays and Bass, partly because he's not good enough as a player, but partly because he's not good enough or a good enough person, rather, mm-hmm. to represent your brand. And your brand is more important than Anthony Bass. And so if you see Anthony Bass in two weekends wearing a pride shirt, or celebrating the pride festivities, it, it's see-through. Like it's, it's of course, it's not his real true beliefs. Clearly, so I wonder how the Blue Jays are going to approach Pride Weekend with all this happening, Pride Month in general. And clearly, your player was outwardly spoken about not believing or not supporting that community, even though he said that uh, post. So I think there's a lot to come. Um, and the Blue Jays say there are other things. Like let's see those things. Yeah, let's see exactly the process. And if you're not going to show that process, then no one should ever believe anything else that comes from Anthony Bass. That isn't the intolerance that he showed on social media. Yes. Uh, I agree that you should listen to Blair and Parker's uh, beginning of their episode yesterday. I was playing it this morning for uh, Justin as well. I think it's it's really powerful. And Blair hits it on the head. And there's a, um, a lot of... Good stuff. Shai Davidi wrote a really great article um, talking about how the Blue Jays and Anthony Bass just must deliver more than words. Um, And I guess that's step one. We'll see how the rest of this unfolds. But uh, that's the Anthony Bass unfortunate update Um, before a game that was really good for the Blue Jays in terms of getting things started um, on a homestand that... 
they definitely need to string together some runs. Uh, so playing the Brewers, we had Kikuchi on the mound. A bit of a tough start for Kikuchi. Mm-hmm. Look like things are falling apart. You're over. You're over five in the first five. Was uh, Yeah, I think we got it before five outs. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, Kikuchi with a bit of a tough, tough uh, beginning to the game, but found a way to reel it in and survive. Uh, not the best stat line, but nonetheless, he's the fifth starter, right? Like, he's your fifth starter. Um, I think that we we maybe were a little bit excited about his great Fruit League MVP, but if he's he's not declined, but he's settled into a fifth starter role at this point, I feel like that's what you're going to get from Kikuchi, but luckily the Blue Jays were able to score more than three runs and win a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what you say Kikuchi is, I think you'd take it. Uh, however, he did face a lineup that is brutal against lefties, of course. Yeah. Uh, you say was a lefty pounding in fastballs, which makes it difficult on a team that doesn't hit lefties very well. But yeah, didn't start out great. Uh, walked, uh, I think, five batters in the end. Um, Season but high was walks, fine. Yeah, Gave five. him a chance to win, and that's really all you can ask for for a fifth starter. If he keep, continues to do that, you'll be okay. But you're right. The bats were good. The BABIP uh, was strong because they were just digging a lot of balls straight into the ground and they were finding holes and they were scoring runs, which is great. And it made me think of like, okay, is this a get right game? I don't think it's a get right Mm, game. I'm not there yet. Because you got to hit a home run at least in the game to have it be a get right game. Like what's going to make Vladimir Guerrero feel better? Maybe hitting, you know, three RBIs or not three RBI singles, but three hits in front of your... Uh, family member who was flown in to be yeah, I want to get to that after. to discuss the swing and maybe feel good and vibes and all that stuff. Like, yeah, production at the plate is going to make you feel good, but will make Vladdy feel best. I think would mm-hmm. be hitting one over the wall finally at Rogers Center. So I don't think it's a get right game for this team, despite scoring the runs, because this team needs to start hitting more home runs, and we're still waiting on those. You know what's a get right game? Alec Manoa on the mound. This is broken record, Ailish. Every time that Alec Manoa shows up to pitch, it's a get-right game. And tonight is another one. Or an opportunity to get right. Yeah, it's the opportunity presents itself. Uh, the Vladdy flying the uncle in for uh, some batting help. Uh, his uncle's name is Wilton, I believe. Yeah, Wilton Guerrero. Um, obviously. Former major leaguer. Former major leaguer. Uh, I believe he was, like, Vladdy's first hitting coach. Like, he just kind of, you know, obviously he's your uncle. Um, but interesting method of working through stuff obviously he's a family member so it's not like you didn't have a reason to bring him up here too but he flew him up and saw him on the field helping a little bit before game um obviously they've been talking through some stuff and vladi got three hits uh scored a run in rbi coincidence I, I mean we're not i'm not the ship hasn't fully been turned around but maybe it stopped and maybe vladi finds a way to to find a little bit of uh, consistency here because Man, it's just been tough. Well, I don't know how many more times you can bring up how Vladi has underperformed so far. Maybe it just took Wilton's touch, and uh, he could be the MVP of the season, just like Matthew Kachuk's father, Keith Kachuk, who called yeah, out. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need is Wilton up here at the Rogers Center. Let's get Wilton a permanent place in that dugout. But we would love to see Vladi hit one single home run. If he was able to do that tonight at the Rogers Center, I just really think it's a breakthrough moment from the guy. Um Things to come uh, for Vladdy. Last thing on the Blue Jays, is that a breakthrough mm-hmm. moment for Nate Pearson? I was just about to say, Nate Pearson was one of the big stories of that game. Uh, what, he struck out four in six batters? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I don't know if he gave up a hit, but he struck out four in two clean innings. This is the... I remember bringing up Nate Pearson in the offseason and you would roll your eyes. And I well, was, I, I, but I, I was can't kind do this of, every year. But I was kind of tongue-in-cheek about it, too. Like, oh, Nate Pearson. Wink, it's the wink, same thing wink, as Grapefruit wink. MVP. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But... I don't know. If Nate Pearson can pitch like this, this is a completely different perspective. Yeah, he looks can, like a weapon. Nobody can do what Nate Pearson can do in this bullpen, right? He looks like, he looks like an absolute weapon. I mean, maybe that's shortchanging Jordan Romano a little bit, but this is this is what this team is starving for. Some impact mm-hmm. from within the own system. Some mm. guy who's young and on an ascension rather than a descension. Like, yes, this is this is so desperately... What the Blue Jays need is a guy like Nate Pearson to come out and throw heat and strike out batters looking with three different pitches over the course of two innings. Like, yes, that is the stuff that this team has been lacking. That is the stuff they run into in big moments and can't survive themselves. Nate Pearson showed you a little bit of that. It's just about keeping the train rolling and continuing to be that effective pitcher against more difficult competition as the season goes. But you have to be encouraged by what you've seen from Nate Pearson. 100%. So it's all about consistency with him. 
Obviously, the injury concerns have been high, but right now, live in the moment, live in the Nate Pearson moment, folks, because it has been good. It has been maybe a little bit unexpected, so I'm happy for the guy. He's gone through a lot in his career. Right now, he's looking like he's in a good spot. Uh, the Blue Jays have you know, done a, a really good job of putting him in good leverage spots as well, where he can work his way up to important innings. And yeah, two shutout innings, four Ks. So it's pretty much what you want from Nate Pearson. 100%. Um, Rowdy Telez was back. And I thought it was really cute because they had a, a moment where they talked about how he officiated Danny Jensen's wedding. Mm-hmm. So Impossible to not like Rowdy Telez. You cannot find a bad thing about that guy uh he's well loved and respected and since i'm officiating a wedding it just made me think like okay mm. i gotta start, Maybe you get down to the ballpark i gotta the next start prepping for tips. this i gotta start thinking about it rowdy telez is officiating dan jensen's wedding very very sweet maybe we can get him on the show sure that looked at daniela he's like ah maybe <laughs> sorry sorry daniela <laughs> um all right so blue jays look to get back in action tonight uh that's at 7 p.m on sportsnet sportsnet now Sportsnet 590, fan streaming on sportsnet.ca. I am going to the game tonight. Oh, there you go. After our big golf wedding. So we'll see. uh, It's a long day for Ailish. It's a long day. I don't think there's a nap happening today, so we'll see how things go. Um, Okay, we we have two things we can do here. We can debut Tenable and Tenable, or we can chat about our golf, which we should probably do both, really. But Let's let's do a couple Tenable and Tenables, and we'll sprinkle them through if we uh, have time throughout the show. Okay, so we teased it yesterday with, uh, what was it, the Nick Nurse situation. Nick Nurse and Joel Embiid joining forces in Philly. And obviously, one of our favorite words on the show is tenable and untenable. Mm -hmm. I believe Justin Cuthbert brought that onto the show, and it has become a staple of my vocabulary. I think it changed your life. (laughs) Honestly? One word. If we ever got merch on the show, which I think we should, Mm -hmm. I would just want a shirt that says untenable. Just an untenable in bold letters, walk around with a shirt that says untenable. That's that maybe I, top that of the list. A list, untenable, yum yum yum. But I don't know if you want to walk around with a shirt that says yum yum yum. It's a bit awkward. I would. Okay. Well, then, uh, Sportsnet style team or whoever's listening, let's get some let's get some fan morning show merch. But tenable, untenable. So, Jess and I both have prepared uh, a little bit of a list of situations. So, yeah, these are like real situations, hypotheticals. They could be like problems maybe mm-hmm. maybe people will send us in tenable untenables where it's like something problems. that you need some advice on but like just uh it can be silly it can be real it could be the foundation of a real sports conversation mm-hmm. or it can be something dumb like the one i'm going to present to you right now so we don't know each other's questions so this is like on the cusp you got to answer so we're not prepared the situation is either tenable or untenable you go first okay tenable or untenable we've heard theo epstein linked to hockey mm-hmm We've had people be like, oh, maybe Kyle Dubas will go to Fenway Sports and run Liverpool. Like, we've heard some ridiculous cross-sport ideas about running franchises. Well, how about Bob Myers, who stepped down from the Warriors dynasty Mm -hmm. yesterday, a guy who's had success only a few executives could ever dream of. And I guess maybe this is impossible, given that Brad Living might be signed, sealed, and delivered. But what about Bob Myers, a basketball guy? A smart basketball guy, a people person, mm. someone everyone loves and respects, true. running the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that's tenable. Really? I do. I thought I think, you were going to poo-poo that real quick. I think it it's never going to happen because the Toronto Maple Leafs kind of run in a, like a black and white method of how this is going to go. I don't think they're thinking outside well, they the box. They want experience. I don't think they're thinking outside the box in terms of outside of hockey. That would be shocking. But I think the situation could be tenable. You want expertise, you want knowledge, you want a winning culture. There's your guy. But I do not think the Blue uh, the Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs, would walk mm. into that with open mind. Yeah, it's untenable. As GM, it's untenable. Where I could see a guy like Bob Myers working just for MLSC, mm-hmm. period, would be okay doing like the Brandon Shanahan thing. Where you're the guy between a board like MLSC, yeah. which is massive no, and powerful. He can't be the GM. He can't be the but GM. But he can be in but the organization. But he could put smart, guy, uh, smart people in place mm-hmm. to run organization. He could be the guy that works with a guy like Kyle Dubas. Yes. Let's say you chose Dubas over Shanahan, like maybe Dubas tried to at least float to MLSC, bringing in a guy like Bob Myers, who is unquestionably an elite level executive Someone's in sports. Someone's got to grab him. And a guy that probably Dubas would work well with. Yeah. I wonder what Bob Myers does next. Okay. Keep an eye on it. You heard it here first. Bob Myers. I can't believe I got a tenable out of you from that. Tenable is in, I want, like, I think it would be tenable in the situation. I don't think they're going to step into that. Okay, let me give you one. 
Situation is Manoa starts tonight. Can't make it past five innings. John Schneider comes on the podium, says, Manoa's not going to miss a start. He's back in the rotation. No worries. Tenable or untenable? It's tenable because there's no other option. You could find a way. You could make the uncomfortable decision to have, I don't even know, Trevor But do you, you want Zach Thompson? Zach Thompson. You, like, I just, that's not, I don't think that's going to give you better results. And then that's going to put Manoa in a situation where I think it's overly hopeful that, yeah, Stint and AAA will make Alec Manoa Untenable. one of the more confident guys and one of the guys who's like most reliant on bravado and being, you know, bigger than the competition mm-hmm. and being intimidating. Like, I feel like that will something that will not assist him. Okay. I think it's untenable, the situation, mm-hmm. but I think it's untenable demoting him in, in, in favor of a, a, an option that is clearly not better. Well, let's hope we don't have to get to that situation. <laughs> untenable or untenable for you? For you? Uh, un- <sighs> oh, you got to be prepared unten- to answer your question. Untenable, 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 relax. Okay. Okay, let's keep go through some more. Okay, last one because it goes into our golf discussion that we have okay. to have quickly. Hypothetically, we go in the course today. I have a, I have one of these too, uh-oh. And one of us is far better than the other. <laughs> oh, God. Is it tenable or untenable that we can have a Wednesday round moving forward if one of us is so much better than the other that it's mildly uncomfortable? Tenable, Justin. We're going to help each other out. We're teammates. If you go out there and you're 12 under and I can't even record my own score, I will be happy and proud for you. And then I'll go home and scream at myself in the car. But in the moment, I will be your biggest fan. I want you to go out there and have the round of your lifetime. And I want to play again next Wednesday and then kick your butt. Okay. So I think it's tenable. And I look forward to this relationship where I am the better golfer. (laughs) It's tenable for me, too, because I have so much experience being the worst player in a group. I'm like almost always exclusively the worst player in a group. we golfed together before and it wasn't like worlds apart. No, we played like a little par three, though. Yeah, whatever. Might be a little different. You on red tees, me slicing drives. Okay, I won't the use woods. the red tees. You bring that up every no, no, hour. No, 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 no. I'll go from no, you know, the, you're every hour. I'll go from See, the it's tips. Already on <laughs> uh, you're golfing with a coworker, and they keep kicking the ball out of the rough to find a better lie, but they don't add a stroke to their score. And at the end, they're bragging about how well they shot, but you know. Okay, the bragging is a different layer. But you know that they kick the ball out of the rough almost every time. The bragging is a different layer. I, I think it's tenable, though, overall, until the bragging. Good because, to know. like, Good I'm, not, to know. I'm not a cop, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. we don't have to, you're, you're sitting in, and that's the thing. It's not like, it's not Oakdale in a couple weekends here mm-hmm. uh, for the PGA players where it's miraculously kept. No, they're going to be like, Areas of the golf course, golf course that you might find yourself in that are not really that playable. Perfect, because I'm all over that today. Where there's like a big today. chunk where you're not <laughs> able to actually hit it out of. So let's be kind to each other when you're when you're weekend warriors. But if you're like every single lie, you're in the fairway and you're trying to like per- no, no, tee no. it up just a I'll little bit. I'll talk about when I'm kind of digging you, out of the or woods. Or you're okay? right beside the green and and like you just want to give yourself a better chance to have a really good chip. Like that's maybe a little too far. But to be all over every ball that may need a little fluff up, uh, no, it's tenable that Perfect. you got to be kind to each other. I'm, uh, I'm glad you got that one out of the way. Um, okay, speaking of, uh, we're going to solicit some texts from you now. Justin and I, first inaugural the match between the two of us today. Um, we need to have some sort of stakes here, okay? I don't just play for fun. I'm a very competitive individual. As I mentioned, I will be happy for you, but I will think about it for the next six days. Okay. So we need to have some sort of wager, and this is where our text line comes into play um, on multiple ways. A, in the game, in the in in the round competition between the two of us, are a way that we raise the stakes, and maybe we're playing for something post match. So you have an idea. Uh, yeah, I have a season long idea. Um, I'll put it to you this way: What do you say when a birdie putt rolls into the bottom of the cup? I wouldn't know the feeling. You don't know the feeling? Okay, maybe you weren't, maybe you're not going to take this. Uh, you say tweet, tweet. Okay. Right? Tweet, tweet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Goes that. in the hole. Birdie, tweet, tweet. So, based on tweet, tweet, my idea is this we have a season long tally of birdies made. The, the loser between the two of us, mm-hmm. in the vein of tweet, tweet, has to get verified. Oh, has to pay God. for Twitter Blue. You have to be tweet, tweeting 
from a Twitter Blue account. I hate if you don't that. Get, if you if you get fewer birdies than me over the course of the Wednesday round <sighs> and the season, you want me to give my money? It's just a little Twitter bit of money. Blue. It's more the embarrassment. No, it is. It's more about like what the nine dollars. Who cares? It's and you might have to have me like, having to be verified on Twitter. Like yeah, a, yeah. That's that. That's my proposal. All right, I think that's pretty fair. And like, like I'm, I'm not a birdie machine. They're, they're few and far between. Yeah, for this me. will be a rare occurrence. You had the, be- the, the, you were the closest to having a birdie so far between our two rounds that were played individually. I did. Oh, have you one. did have a birdie. Yeah, I did have one birdie. Uh, you almost said the eagle. I, I what happens you if you get an eagle? That's two. Birdie or better? Okay. Yeah. If it's if it's eagle, it's two, it's two points. Yeah. Sure. Okay, I like this a lot. Um, somebody was explaining to me the three putt snake thing. Where I don't, I'm going to explain this terribly. So someone in the text line can make sure I'm doing it right. But like, if I, if I three putt, I've got the snake. And if you three putt, I give the snake back to you. Whoever's got Mm. the snake at the end of the round has to buy a round or has to whatever, do something. I'll do that. All right. Round around. Okay. So we have a, we have a season long and we'll do this today. Individual during the match game. Okay. And, but honestly, I would love to have some text options too, because I know there's people out there that played enough golf with their buddies that know there are a lot of good games i think some kind of take away from your actual like i don't want to play basketball like no 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 not chance okay shaking on it one, of, a, one of us will be verified come october we have to wait but by then honestly who knows if twitter's even around so i'm, I'm okay with this well, bet, hopefully it's not. <laughs> i'm okay with this bet um all right send it in 590 590 um all right i'm already seeing some let's take a break though because i have a absolutely stunning A-list story that has to do with golf and it's going to blow your mind. Okay. That's next. Sportsnet 590. 590. The Fan. Now, it's time for hey, yo. the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Stop, baby. All right, as we get teed up for our day, our day of golf and our day of um, ups and downs, most likely on the course. Uh, here's a good story. This is from Shane Ryan at Golf Digest that uh, maybe gives you a little bit of hope and inspiration for your day. <clears throat> it's pretty crazy, too. All right. Two students at Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina, were 518 strokes over par. 518 strokes over par at their first tournament. Sorry, combined? Two students? Two students. Combined, 518 strokes. 518 strokes over par, and yet save their team's D3 golf program. Now, let me take you on this wild ride. Okay. Meredith golf team lost players due to injury this year, and after only completing two of the D3 events, they needed to find other players in their school to be able to save their team from not being able to be a competitive D3 team moving forward. So you have to play, I think, five tournaments in order to qualify for the conference championship and then continue to be a team. The school has 1,400 people. Um, They had to send out an email to the entire university or college saying, we need golfers to come play in this tournament or these next three tournaments to save our school program. Okay. So Macy and Sarah had never played 18 holes of golf in their life, didn't own a set of clubs. Sarah, though, had little kids' clubs that she must have found in her parents' basement. <laughs> the first tournament, they so they, they sign up and they're like, we'll do this. We'll take this team to the conference championships. They play in their first tournament, Lion's Paw Golf Links in Ocean Isle, North Carolina. Sounds Sa- fantastic. Sarah Marshall shoots... A score of 276 and 199. Macy shoots 158 and 173. Improved. <laughs> Good. So they were 518 strokes over par in the first two days. They finished the tournament, though. All they needed to do was finish these tournaments. Put the ball in the hole. Doesn't matter how many strokes it takes to be able to remain eligible. They do two more events, both of them shooting uh, 148, 159, 163, and 153. They play at Greenbrier in West Virginia, and then they play in the final one at Everett University in Virginia. They finish all the three tournaments they have to play in. At one point, they're getting bullied by other girls I'd at, imagine. at the golf tournament. That I they, mean, you're kind of ruining the tournament. But they have to do it. Like, Why do they have to do it? To save their school's golf program. They're, before the final tournament, which is a one-day uh, event, they were getting bullied so much so that they were going to withdraw. 
and they were seen crying. Like this is the, go read this article. It's I wild. imagine they were. And a parent came up to them from a different school and said, "Don't worry about what other people are saying. I, I love that you girls are out here. You're having fun. You're not taking it serious because you know, obviously, you're not you're not serious people, as Logan Roy would say." Mm-hmm. And they finished out the tournament, and they saved their school's golf team. They finished seventh out of seventh in the conference championship, but they earned an automatic spot on the team's roster next year if they wanted. Nonetheless, they did what it needed to be done for their school pride, their school school spirit, and they will now continue to have a golf D3 program. I don't know. Thanks to these two ladies. Some things aren't worth saving, right? But it's it's not their fault saving. their other teammates on this golf program got injured. Well, if you don't have a team, you don't have a team. But then they would never have a team again. They'd have to go through the they whole golf. They can't earn it back? I don't know the process of getting a team into D3 golf, but it doesn't just happen. Apparently, you fail to be a part of the I mean, can't they make an exception rather than make a NCAA farce of this tournament? The I just hope they weren't off the tee first because oh, yeah. imagine Brooks Kepka or the equivalent of Brooks Kepka on this circuit playing behind two players, absolutely slashing it around. Nonetheless, I think it's just a beautiful story Is it of beautiful? school spirit, pride for your community, doing something. Maybe I just don't have the same above level of and beyond. Spirit. For what was it, Marshall? Meredith. Meredith. Yeah, it's really, Meredith College. It's, yeah. Honestly, yeah. we might need to follow this golf program moving forward. D three Meredith Golf. Anyway, oh. Shane Ryan at Golf Digest has it's a great expose on this story. So uh, I'll have to check that one out. If you shoot 213 over today, the, the golf rounds, the Wednesday round is over. It's yeah. not a thing any longer. Yeah. Power to those girls for, for grinding it I wonder out. Wonder if they fluffed it up in the rough. <laughs> they definitely, yeah, they, there was some tears. They said they were bonding over the trauma of this tournament and having to represent their school but nonetheless they did it okay we got kipper on the other side of the break let's go through what is pending possibly brad trey living to be the next gm of the maple leafs insiders are saying let's see about our insider nick kiprios on the other side of the break